you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo Church. Good morning, Sozo. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. Pray you're doing well. Uh, my name is Mark. My wife and I serve as lead pastors here at Sozo. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. It's a good day to be in church. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, really fast, just want to uh, thank you all for letting uh, my family and I get away last weekend. It was uh, Ty and I's 22nd wedding anniversary last uh, Saturday. Um, all the praise goes to my wife for those claps, because let's be real, she has to put up with me, I get to get married to her. So um, she lost that deal big time, uh, but whatever, uh, I'm good with it. Yeah, uh, if you're wondering, uh, gentlemen, how you, how you marry this far above your uh, 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 status, uh, you get them when they're really, really young and they don't know any better. the truth. Um, anyways, uh, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and jump in. Uh, we got a lot to cover this morning, and um, we're in the series through the Gospel of John. Uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a while. We've been here for a few days, um, and uh, we're just making our way through um, looking at John's Gospel, John's account of the life of Jesus, and we've, we've made our way now into chapter 12, and we're just sort of hanging out here for a while. Um, I keep saying that we're at the last week, we're going to be in chapter 12. I think I've said it four times, and we're still here. And I blame you people. Um, so uh, we're in the midst of this. And, and, uh, and so if you've got your Bible, let's go ahead and go to John chapter 12. We're, we're going to read some Bible today. Who's excited to hear the Bible? We're excited to hear that. We love the Bible around here. Um, and so we're, we're excited to read the Bible. If you've got a Bible, go to John chapter 12, verse 31. John chapter 12, verse 31. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. But here's the deal. You're going to go to John chapter 12, verse 31. What verse are you going to go to? 1231. That's right. But we're going to read a whole bunch of Bible this morning. I'm not going to preach any of these verses. I just want them in your head while I'm preaching. You, you track with me? So to make sure that they're in your head, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read these verses together. Because some of y'all didn't read your Bible this morning, and I want you to go to bed guilty this morning. So you're going to read together, and you say, well, I don't know how to read. If you don't know how to read, read louder. So um, we're going to read together these verses. we got a bunch of them. Who's excited? All right, let's read the Bible together. So it's Genesis uh, 1, verses 1 through 3 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Come on, now let's read Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says this, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You guys sound good. Turn to your neighbor, tell them how good they sound. Go tell your neighbor they sound good. All right, let's read, let's keep reading. We still got Bible to read. John 10, verse 27 says this. 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, it says this. Let's read it together. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Let's go back to John. John chapter 6, verse 63. Who's having fun? says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, you are spirit and life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Somebody knew we were going here because you, you went to Christian school. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Is he done yet? No, he's not. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're doing great. Not preaching any of those. Here we go. John chapter 12. You thought I forgot. John chapter 12, what verse? Verse 31. John chapter 12, this is Jesus speaking. John chapter 12, verse 31. He says this, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man shall be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he, did, no, he had done so many signs before them, they still not, did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. Verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his, that is Jesus, everybody say Jesus, his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world. I have come in. Don't miss that. I have come into the world as light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to, the, to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who sent me 
has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Church, let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. God, we do thank you for your word. We, we read from your word about your word today, and we thank you for your word. We rejoice that we are not left to wonder at what your voice sounds like. But we can hear you speak through your word. We, we thank you that, that, that we know what you sound like, and it even goes beyond that supernaturally. Lord, your word says that it is not dead and passive like other books, but it's living and active. So we come to the living and active word, and we come before the living and moving and breathing and ruling and reigning God. And we ask, living God, that you would speak through your living word. God, that you would come and that your, your, your voice would be heard in the midst of your word. God, and that by hearing your voice, we might receive what it is that you say, be transformed by it. Lord, as, as we hear, we know that faith comes. And as faith and grace are, are, are mingled within the fiber of who we are, we know that that grace and that faith transforms who we are, makes us more like you. That we might live out our lives giving you glory and honor and praise. That this world might know the fullness that comes, the good that comes from walking in obedience and abiding and resting in intimacy with you, Jesus. Be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Go ahead and greet somebody around you real fast and then grab a seat. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Well, we're, we're going we're gonna to make our way through this text together. Last time we were together, last time you and I were together, um, we were in a similar text here. Uh, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, uh, title for this morning is The Whisper, or Walking, rather, in His Whisper. Walking in His Whisper, the light and life of the Logos of God. The light and light of the Logos of God. This morning, uh, I, I want to sort of pick up where we left off before. Last time we were together, we, we talked about uh, how, how when we, when we are, are plagued by what I called incongruent beliefs, what the scripture calls double-mindedness. When we believe two things that cannot both simultaneously be true. When we believe this and that sort of things, contrary, contradictory things, when we, when we believe such things, the, 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 the Bible says that it, it, it holds us in a bondage, that these incongruent beliefs, that these double-mindedness keep us from the blessings that are, that are ours 
in belief by keeping us infatuated by the benefits of that bondage. We, we get this from the text where, where Jesus says that, or the text rather says that some of the people believed in Jesus, but because they liked the glory that they got from the crowd they were around, they didn't let anybody know. They kept it to themselves. They kept quiet. They kept hidden. They kept reserved. Because they, they liked the glory. I love the way it says it in John. The glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. We, we, we live in a bondage when we believe contrary things. Last week, Jeremy uh, preached a great word. Did Jeremy preach a great word or what? Come on. Uh, I've listened to it twice this week already. Um. And Jeremy talked to us last week in conjunction with that about how we need to defend every piece of all that God has promised us. That we can't just say, well, this little thing over here doesn't really matter. I know God says I can have it, but I'll just go ahead and give that thing up. It doesn't really matter. No, we ought to stand in faith and believe God for the fullness, come on, of all that he has promised us. Amen? And so this week I want to talk to us and continue on in that and look a little bit more at really the importance of why it's so important, why it's so crucial for us to believe, for us to, to believe in Jesus and to abide in that belief. Jesus here, here catch this, Jesus in this text, in this, in this part of, of John, is preaching, is teaching, is, is debating, is, is talking to a, a general audience, to a general crowd, for the last time in his life. From this moment on, every audience that Jesus has will be one of specificity. Yes, he'll, he'll talk to his disciples some more. We're going to get into that in John chapter 13, if we ever get there. Um, he, he speaks to his disciples, and yes, he stands before a trial, both a, a Jewish religious trial and a Roman political trial. And he, he does have dialogue there, but, but this is the last time Jesus just makes a general statement, a general uh, declaration to a, a group of people. He's, he's got everybody kind of in front of him. He's got believers and non-believers. He's got people that believe in him and are in hiding and people that believe in him and are, are out in public. He's got people who are skeptical, people who are cynical, people who are searching. He's got people who've got questions. He has people who think they know the answer. He's got everybody in front of him, Jew and Greek. The whole world, the Bible says at this point, is coming to Jesus. And so he delivers a message to them at this moment. He delivers a message to them. And what is, what is the message that Jesus speaks to these? He says, hear my voice and believe my words. He says, you need to hear my voice and you need to believe my words. Hear my voice, believe my words. He's pleading with them in this moment. He's, he's calling to them, regardless of where they are, regardless of whether they think they already believe or whether they, they're, they're still questioning, they're still searching. He says, come on, you've got you to hear what I'm saying and you've got to believe what I am saying to you. Let's do a quick overview here real fast. And this thing isn't working at all, so you're all on it. Give it up for Stephen, who's going to run the slides this morning. See if he can keep up. Um, so, so what, what we have here is a quick overview. Jesus starts off his, his sort of message, and this message of what he wants them to hear and what he wants them to believe, he says that G Jesus declares his future victory over our enemies. Jesus declares his future victory over our enemies. 
He says, look, the, the judgment of this world, the time for judgment has come. And so, so he says, I'm going to displace, I'm going to disarm, I'm going to defeat the enemies. We talked about this. I don't have time to, to get into it too much, but we, we talked about the, the specifics of this, how there is a real and present uh, uh, conscious evil in an unseen realm. Some of you call it the devil or demons. That really exists. That's really a thing. There's really external forces, what Jesus in this text calls darkness. There really is this thing that seeks to press up against and come up against us. Jesus says it's time to judge that thing. It's time to bring, bring death to that thing. It's time to bring that thing to an end. He declares his future victory over our enemies. Then he goes on and he says that the darkness is not merely an external problem, but it's an internal problem. Everybody say external. Everybody say internal. It says that there's darkness, but then he also calls us, in verse 40, he calls us blind. The idea that, that Jesus is getting at here is this, that, that, that we exist in the, in the fallen state of the world as long as, as long as this evil was ruling and reigning, there was no light. I remember I, I, was, I was in sixth grade. I lived up close to the Canadian border at this point in my life. And, and my, my, my school took us on a field trip, took all the sixth graders in our school and took us on a field trip down into an abandoned mine shaft. Yeah, I don't know whose idea this was. Um, just like, hey, I think what it was was one of the, the, one of the administrators at the, the middle school that I went to, her husband was a therapist and she was just trying to front load his, his business. Because uh, here's what they did. They took us, we had to, we, we went down a rickety little like, 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 like dumb waiter down into the bottom of the thing. Then we had to march down even lower and there was light bulbs. And remember old incandescent light bulbs? I'm not talking these new fancy LED light bulbs that light up everything like it's, you know, the middle of summer at noon. I'm talking incandescent lights that you, you're pretty sure are about to blow up at any moment and make a buzzing noise just to make you scared the whole time. And so we, we marched down and the guy's explaining to us about how the mine was done and how the cave was found and blah, 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 all this stuff and all the, the, the stalag this and stalag that and he's telling us all about don't touch them and you know all this stuff and, and then he goes, we're going to do something here just so you realize how deep underground we are. We're going to turn out all the lights. Now listen, sixth grade is the grade where, where guys decide that they want to be tough. Right? Like you, that point, like you, you know, you're thinking like, yeah, I got I gotta be the tough guy in class. I can tell you this. Every sixth grader in that room instantly became a six-year-old when those lights went out. Because I thought all the girls were screaming, but it turned out everyone was screaming. It all just sounded the same. Everyone's screaming their heads off, and and he was like, We'll just leave it for a few seconds. They left it off for 30 minutes, I swear. But it was so dark. It was so dark, you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. You couldn't see motion. You couldn't see anything. It was utter and total darkness. Jesus says, that's where we live. We live in that kind of soul-penetrating darkness. But then he says, on top of that, you internally lack the capacity to see anyways. You're blind. So you're blind and in a room without light. And Jesus says that the victory that he brings, the, 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 the conquering of darkness, does not only conquer, I, I need somebody to say amen to this, the darkness outside of you, it conquers the darkness inside of you as well. His victory is a dual victory. His victory deals with the external thing, but it also deals with the internal thing. This is all review. Are, are you having fun? So both of these are dealt with in the victory 
of Jesus that he wins on our behalf. Amen? This is the last message he's, he's, he's giving them. He's trying to show them, look, I have come as God, and God is not like what you think he is. I came to set you free. I came to defeat your enemies. I came to be the conqueror for you on your behalf. And I love the way that, that as he weaves this idea of what he teaches and who he is and the life that he offers and the light that he offers, he's actually calling back to the very introduction to this book. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to rewind the whole series and restart at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You think I'm kidding. John chapter 1, not the whole series, but today we're going to. Uh, John chapter 1, we're just going to read these first five verses again because I want you to see, the, the, again, we're, we're trying to look in this and understand why we need to see and believe not only what Jesus says to us, but we need to believe in him. Our belief needs to be in him. So John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In him was life. Everybody say life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want us to see who Jesus is here so that when he calls us to believe in him in John chapter 12, we understand an important parallel. So the first thing we need to see is that Jesus is light. Everybody say light. Jesus is light. Jesus is this light. Light expels and exposes it expels darkness and it exposes distortion. Have you ever noticed how when you're, when you're in a dark room, things just look different? The way, the way I think about it is su shadows seem to have substance. When, when you're in a dark room, when, 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 when there's not enough light for you to navigate through a room, even shadows seem to be things that have some sort of, of mass and substance and, and ability. And it's the same when we walk in spiritual darkness as well. When we walk in the spiritual darkness, it, there's a distortion that happens. And when the light comes on, hello somebody, all of those distortions get pushed away. And there's no more hindrance and there's no more hiding and there's no more wondering or doubting or, or, or confusion about what things are. The light's on, we know what they are. It expels that darkness. When you, when you turn a light on, when the sun rises in the morning, there's no question about what's going to happen to the darkness. Never once have you flipped a light switch on and darkness overcame the light. Like you flipped the light on and like light came out and then it sucked back up and like, oh, darkness won today. We've got to get this because, because this, this victory that Jesus won over darkness, this explains to us that that victory was born out of his very nature, not out of some exertion of his capacity. Light expels and light exposes. We're going to learn a little Greek this morning. Light, the word light here that, that's used in, in John chapter 1 is phos. Everybody say phos. Light is phos. Phos, this word light, there's, there's lots of words for light in Greek. Like, like most things, English just uses one word and leaves you confused. 
Greek likes to be overly explanatory about all of its words. So, so there's, there's, there's other words in, in Greek for, for light that mean the, you know, kind of just general sort of the, the existence of light. It might mean a, a lamp or a, a light or some sort of source of light. But rather, what this is, is phos is not just illumination, but the source of the illumination. What Jesus is saying here, what John is saying rather about Jesus is he doesn't just, he doesn't just have light. He is light. Everything that is light, everything that is truly light is actually in its reality Jesus. He is the source of all that illuminates and all that expels and all that exposes. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus does not possess light. Hello, somebody. He is light. Jesus is light. Doesn't say here in, in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word and the word had light. The word is light. It is light. Before that, though, we saw in John chapter 1 that Jesus is life. Everybody say life. Jesus is life. Jesus is life. If you want some more Greek, we've talked about this word before here zoe. Everybody say zoe. Got to be cool and say the Zoe instead of just Zoe. I like this. Zoe, the word life is Zoe. Life, Zoe life is not an animation of life, but it's an abundance of true life. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that, that, that when we say Zoe, we don't just mean that you have the ability to live and move and breathe. But there's actually an abundance. When Jesus, Jesus is telling people, come on, who can live and move and breathe, who, can, who have animation, who have, who have some sort of, of movement in their life, some sort of external evidence that they are, are alive. He says, you need another kind of life. You need a Zoe life. You need, you need an abundance of true life, a God life. Let me put it another way, that this, this Zoe life is the eternal life of God that we experience through union with him. This kind of life is not just a life that, that trudges through, but rather a life of intimacy, of abiding, of resting in him. So both of these aspects, the, 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 both of these aspects of his identity, that he is light and he is life, according to John chapter 1, flow from a deeper revelation of who he is. And that deeper revelation is this, that Jesus is the Logos. Everybody say Logos. We're learning Greek this morning, and three of you are excited. Logos, we're going to go backwards here. Instead of learning the, 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 the Greek word for the English, we're going to learn the English word for the Greek. Logos is the word word. Word? Logos is word. Logos is the word. Jesus is, come on, the Logos of God. Jesus is the message of God to all the people everywhere. When, when it says that Jesus is the Logos, this is such, we're, we're going we're to unpack this here this morning. This is such a, a complex statement that John was making that there are actually uh, secular historians that have spent, spent years and decades dissecting the beginning of the Gospel of John. This, this poetic intro that John wrote. Fun fact that I don't know if I've, if I've shared with you before in our series through John. Uh, uh, one of the... the early historians in the church, actually the disciple of the disciple of John, so figure that out, 
uh, one, one of them claimed this, that John was approached by the, the, the elders of the church. Most church historians agree that John was probably the last living uh, apostle of the Lord, the last apostle to walk with Jesus face to face. John lived the longest. And they came to him toward the end of his life. And they said, hey, we, we want you to write an account of the life of Jesus. We want your, your perspective. You're the last living person who has eyewitness testimony of one of his disciples, and we don't have a written account. We've got other stuff that you've written, and it's amazing, but, but we, want, we want this thing written down. And John, according to his, this, this disciple, the disciple said, look, we already have enough of those. You've got enough. You've got Matthew, Mark, and, 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 and Luke, and you, you've got other writings. And you've, enough people have sat down to do it. I, I don't need to do it. And they, they pressured him so much that the story goes that he actually went away to fast and to pray and to seek the Lord as to whether or not he should do this. And after some time of fasting, he began to write, and what came out was the opening of the Gospel of John. And that started him down this path. It, it, it shifted the way that he approached the gospel. It's why, honestly, the, the beginning of the gospel of John is why I wanted to teach through the gospel of John. Because John gives such a unique lens through which we can see Jesus. And therefore a unique lens through which we see the Father. And therefore a unique lens through which we see ourselves. And so John here is, is overflowing, and he uses this word, word. He says that Jesus is the logos. He's the message of God to everyone. He came into the world. He doesn't say he just came to the Jews. No, he said he came to the world. He came to everyone. This message, come on, church, is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. Logos, though, this is the interesting thing. Logos was a word with some baggage. I thought about naming some words we have today or phrases we have today with baggage, but I don't want that many emails. So you can think of them yourself. Logos had some baggage, though. Greeks and Jewish people both had, had a, a grasp on this word and thought they had an understanding. So in Greek, Greek philosophy taught that, that logos was the reason, and by, by the reason, I mean that logos is the logic, the orderly law, the, the thing that held everything together. So, so Greek philosophy taught that logos was the reason that simultaneously permeated and transcended all of the cosmos. So when this Greek audience heard that he was the logos, they went, oh, we, we know what that is. We, we get what you're saying. You're, you're, you're saying you're the thing that holds everything together? Really? You're the thing that transcends everything. You're the thing that's over and above and holding all things together. To the Jewish theology and Jewish theology and Jewish philosophy, that taught that Logos was God's power and authority in creation. Taught that it was the power and the authority of God to create all things. That's why, again, we read Genesis 1. I said I wasn't going to preach from it, but I lied. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he do it? He spoke. Jewish theologians said that, that's speaking, that's the logos of God. And I love, I love, I love, I love the way that Jesus, please hear me, I need you to hear what I'm saying right now. I love that Jesus was willing to, to meet the cultures that he was preaching to where they were. He, he, he came to them and he used 
language. He used, he used uh, communication in such a way that, that they, they sort of grasped what he was saying, but then he, he didn't just leave it there. This is what you need to hear. Yes, he met culture where they were, but he showed them the errors of what they believed. He said, listen, I'm the Logos, but you think Logos is some impersonal force. It's not. Because it's me. To the Jews, he said, look, you think that it's some sort of formal fundamentalism. It's not. It's me. He, he, he destroys both the, the, the spiritualistic sort of philosophical perspective of who God is, and he destroys the religious fundamental perspective of who God is. Have you ever noticed that fundamental is far more mental and far less fun? I'm just saying. He gets rid of both, and he says, no, you need to understand this is me that we're speaking of here. This is who I am. Jesus is the word of God. He is the principles and the precepts of God. He is the chaos-crushing creation authority of God. That's who we're dealing with when we're dealing with Jesus. We're not dealing with just some, some elevated, enlightened carpenter who just sort of decided to become a rabbi one day. Jesus is trying to get through to these people. He's saying, listen, my time is short and y'all have missed it. Despite the message that I preached, despite the miracles that I've done, you are failing to recognize who I am. So let me make it clear. I'm the Logos. I am the thing that you think is ruling over everything, but I'm a person. Which isn't to say that he's, 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 he's a person like we're a person. He's a person in that he has a personality. Amen? The Logos is not an impersonal force like the Greeks believed. It's not an immovable fundamentalism like the, like the Jewish people believed, but rather it's, it's, it's Jesus himself, the person of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? This means, catch this, that the light and life of Jesus are utterly lost if you do not have the Logos of Jesus. Because if you read John, I did it backwards on purpose. There's life that flows from light, and that light flowed from his Logos. Jesus is the Logos of God. The light and life of Jesus are received through the message, the Logos of Jesus. The light, I'm going to say that again. The light and life of Jesus are received through the message or the Logos of Jesus. This is why you have to believe the message. Because it is the delivery system to get you the illumination and the impartation that you need. It's not enough to just go like, yeah, I want to have the light and the life that Jesus offers. Then you have to believe the message that Jesus preaches. This is why it's so important to believe, to not have incongruent belief systems. Well, I believe this about God, but I also believe this about God, and they can't both be true at the same time. I believe God is always and only good, but sometimes he's not. Those two statements cannot both be true. God is either always and only good, or he is not. 
and us flip-flopping back and forth between two opinions, James says, means that we disqualify ourselves from being able to receive anything, the light and the life of God. Do you get why this is so important? Do you get why we can't just sort of glaze over this and move on? The, the, for, for me, this is, a, this is, a, this is a, the kind of thing that we have to grasp, grasp completely. Recognize, now we, we, have, we have cars that run on gas and diesel and now cars that run on magic or electricity. Um, but that whole thing started with the invention of an engine that ran off of boiling water. Steam. And there's an interesting thing about a steam engine. I remember sitting with, 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 a, with, a, with a, I think they're called conductors, right? Guys that run trains, drive trains. Do you drive a train? You just sit there, right? The track sort of drives the train. You just kind of sit there. Engineer, thank you. I don't know. Again, school field trip. Let's put a, let's put a seventh grader on a, on a train. And let's put the kid with ADD up front with the guy. Not a smart idea. Um, but the statute of limitations hasn't run out, so we're not going to share that story. Um, but he, he taught us something. Me, me and a couple of the other guys that were sitting up there with him, he taught us something. That this was an, this was an old school train that ran off steam. You had to throw the, the wood and the, or the coal into it and build this fire and get it going. And, and we were sitting there and we said, why haven't we started going yet? And he said, well, the water hasn't got hot enough yet. Because, he, hear, hear me please, the difference between that train moving and that train sitting there was the difference between 211 degree water and 212 degree water. And here's what I worry. That many of us press into these kind of truths and we get our water up to 109, 110, and 111 degree water and it sits there and we go, it didn't, it didn't do anything. It didn't work. The difference between a train moving and not moving is one degree. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, church, if we have just pushed ourselves into this idea of, 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 of being singularly minded about who God is and who he's called me to be and what he's accomplished for me and the victory that he's accomplished for me and what he's called me to do and who he is through all of that, if we've pushed ourselves to 211 degrees and then said, this doesn't work. And if maybe, just maybe, in this body of people, the spirit of God is being so good to us to say, I will wait as long as it takes. Because we can't go anywhere with 211 degree water. But 212 degree water, this is not an overstatement, changed the world. 211 degree water is a bath. 212 degree water is, the, is, is, is come on, is, is the ability to move everything. You know what I'm saying. 211 degree water is just hot water. It's just hot water. It's just warm water. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. It won't get you anywhere. But 212 degree water, 212, changed the world. Just a little while, just, just a few, just one more, just one more shovel of coal in there, and now all of a sudden we're moving. Just, just a little bit longer, just, just letting that heat work a little bit, just letting the Spirit of God, come on, work a little bit more in our hearts. And what used to be impossible is now not only possible, but seems to be unstoppable. Jesus is 
the Logos of God. He is the instruction that brings illumination and impartation. He is the message and, and, and proven by the miracles that means that he alone is the Messiah. He is the saying of Jesus that produces the salvation of God. But here's what I here's where I, here's where I've been driving all morning. You need to hear the voice of Jesus. You have to hear the voice of Jesus. It's it's not enough for me to hear the voice. It's not enough for your mom to hear the voice. It's not enough for your grandma, your wife, your husband, your kids. You, come on, you have to hear his voice. You personally need to have an encounter with the voice of God. You need him. You need to hear him. As the Logos, he is the voice. What he says here in John chapter 12 is to hear him is to hear the Father. To hear him is to hear the Father. You need to hear. What am I telling you? That problem that you think you have is not the problem that you think you have. We we used to say it like this around here. Your problem is not your problem. Your proximity is your problem. You say, well, I, I need this or I need that or this needs to get fixed or that needs to get fixed or this relationship needs to get put back together or this money needs to come in for the rent or this thing needs to happen or they need to do this or she needs to do that. All of that is a symptom of the fact that you are not hearing him. We're talking about the voice that created everything. And Jesus says he came so that you could hear. He came as the Logos so you could hear the voice. He came as the Logos so you could hear the voice. Maybe, 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 maybe more than any other time in the history of the world, the people of God need to hear a singular message. Am I the only one that has message overload? Uh, like, like just message fatigue. Everybody and everything and all of the all of the conduits and outlets in the world have become messaging systems that that are getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And I'm here to tell you, you do not need those messages. You need His message. You you do not need Fox News's opinion of what's going on in the world. I'll get more amens here. You do not need CNN's opinion of what's going on in the world. Yeah, Fox News is just as jacked up as CNN is. Because neither of them are preaching the gospel to you. And what you need to hear is the gospel. Because what you don't believe is the gospel. Because the wrong guy got elected either this time or last time. And so there you go. Well, then to see everything's out of control. No, the incumbent is still on the throne. He hasn't gone anywhere. That's what we need to hear. You don't need to, to hear a message that tells you you're a victim. You don't need to hear a message that tells you that you're superior. You don't need moralism or, 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 or some sort of uh, you know, self-improvement message. You need to hear Jesus. 
You don't need some organization that says everybody with a skin color like your skin color is the good guys and everybody with the other skin color is the bad guys. You need to hear Jesus who says you all are born sinners and you all need to be born again and you all can be born again. And he paid the price for everyone. And if your opinion of someone is based on how much melanin is in their skin, you're stupid. I used to say it meaner than that. My wife told me to calm down. That's her anniversary present. But, but let, 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 what voices are you allowing into your internal world? I'll tell you how you can tell. What, when you, what message when you hear, what voice when you hear is allowed to change the peace that abides within you? When you hear something and it makes the inside of you twist a little bit, you're giving that thing a voice that only Jesus ought to have. I'm not saying, okay, I want to be clear about this because um, I, I like getting emails. I'm fine with it. I spend most Tuesdays now doing nothing but responding to emails, and that's fine. But I, I, I don't want to get emails when I could avoid them. So let me just be clear. I am not saying that as Christians we should bury our heads in the sand and not know about anything that's going on in the world and just you know plug our ears and say God is good, blah, blah, blah. What I'm saying is, I'm questioning you. I'm, I'm trying to challenge you. I'm trying to do something that's rare in America today, and that is pastor you and say that you need to check what you're allowing to get into the inside of you. I can know what's going on in the world, according to the world, but, but from, from this and from the Spirit of God, I can know what's going on behind that. And I know that he works all things, come on somebody, together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So I don't freak out. People, a bunch of you, I'm going to not look anywhere right now. Y'all are saying amen right now, but a bunch of y'all came to me when cities were burning down and elections were being stolen and, and all this. And said, when are you going to preach about this stuff? Never, because that's not what's really going on. That is all smoke and mirrors to try to get you to freak out and take your eyes off what's really going on, which is that the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. The gospel is winning. Do you realize there are more believers alive on the planet today than ever in the history of the world? Yeah, but I don't like the guys that are in control of my government. Where? They might come and try to take my guns. Who cares? You... You, you're, you, you live here, but you're a citizen of a better kingdom. Your citizenship is not here. There is a kingdom coming and a will being done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not backing off of that message. What I'm saying is we have to believe. We have to hear what he's saying and believe what he's saying. Because every other message is... is all the other messages, all of them are trying to get you to not believe that one. They don't care what else you believe. This is why the, 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 the partisan build your little teams and build your little camps and fight one another, you're giving completely in to the, to the, to the schemes and the plan of the enemy. Because if he can get you to believe anything other than him, he wins. 
That's why Jesus comes and says, listen, listen, I'm getting rid of, I'm beating the religious system. I'm beating the political system. I'm beating the Greek system. I'm beating the Jewish system. I am the Logos that you guys seem to be fighting over. You're both right that the Logos is the thing that holds everything together, and you're both wrong that it's anything other than me. I'm all for engaging culture. But you got to be willing to engage culture and show them where they're right and where they are wrong. Or else you're not engaging culture, you're becoming part of culture. The church tried that, and every time she tries that, she fails miserably. You want to know the fastest dying church movements in America are the ones that are just buying into wherever culture goes. Thinking they can get more and more people to show up if they just look more like the world. I've talked about this before, and I don't know what, how I got here, but I'm here now, so here we go. The church is the only organization on the planet that thinks if they try to act like they're not what they are, that people will want to come. Imagine if Starbucks was like, you know what, we're going to stop serving coffee because we don't want to be too coffee shoppy. Car dealers are like, we don't sell cars anymore because people feel uncomfortable on car dealers. So instead, we just decided to have bagels. <laughs> You're not a car dealership anymore. No, we are. We're still a car dealership. There is one other organization. I'm a soapbox. Here we go. There is one other organization that has tried this. There are now gyms that claim to, you pay them so you can get in shape, and then twice a week they give you pizza and donuts. I'm not making this stuff up. I think they learned it from the church. They were like, let's try that. Let's claim to be something that's going to help people, but just give them the same garbage that they get everywhere else. The church does not need to be less churchy. The church needs to learn what it means to be the church and do that. The church, the called out ones. All of this, all of this, we have to hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. They won't follow anybody else. Beloved, maybe the world doesn't think we're his sheep because we listen to every other voice. We sound like everybody else. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm sick of? Having people ask me, was well, your church a conservative church or a progressive church? We're a biblical church. They're like, well, well I want to go to a conservative church. Well, well, we'll piss you off real fast. Well, I want to go to a progressive church. We'll piss you off just as fast. Not because I said pissed off. That's the conservative people that are pissed off by saying pissed off. And my wife. Um. Perturbed? I'll say perturbed. <laughs> now I'm making the progressive people angry. Um, you have you you have to hear him. Are you hearing me? You don't need my voice. You need his voice. You don't need my voice. You need his voice. I'm going to talk about this next. We're going to talk about how you hear next week. I was going to talk about it now, but you people made me preach too long. So we're going to talk about this next week, but you hear God speak. Don't bother putting a slide up. Just leave it alone. Because if you put it up, I'm going to preach it, and then we're never getting out of here. 
Elijah in 1 Kings, we're going to talk about this next week, but Elijah in 1 Kings, he doesn't hear God in the chaos, in the noise, in the booming, in the thunder. He hears God in a whisper. See, I think too often we want to hear God in a booming thunder, and he wants to speak to us in a whisper. And then here's the other thing, and we're going to get into, we're going to get into this next week. We want answers, and God always asks questions. We're like, that's not what I want to hear right now. We, got, we, we have to hear the voice of the Logos, and that voice more often than not sounds like a whisper. It sounds like a whisper. Let's stand to our feet. I got one more verse I want to go to. I want to show you this. First John starts in a way that is eerily similar to the Gospel of John. It says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, everybody say heard, and we have seen with our eyes, this is light and life, right? Which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it. Are you seeing the parallels? And proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and, his, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to hear, verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Here's what I want to say to you. John here is describing what the life of somebody who believes looks like. Right? So like we've seen it, we've heard it, we've held it, we've, we've partaken of it. It's, we, we, we have this fellowship, this abiding now with the Father and with the Son. We're, we're living in this light. We're living in this life that God has for us. And then he makes this statement. We're, we're sharing this with you because we want a joy to be complete among us. Here's what I want you to hear. There is a joy reserved for those who give their ear exclusively to Jesus. There's a joy. There's a, there's a, there's a soul-satisfying joy that is reserved for you when you turn off every other message, when you turn off, when you silence every other voice. There's a, there's, there's a stability that comes to you in your inner being that says that, listen, all of this stuff fades away. The joy, the stability, the identity that you are striving to find in Christ is, is yours when you shut everybody else off and you just hear him. talk next week about how we hear. This is not an attempt to try to get more butts in the seat. Please don't miss that. I, I'm sorry that I did not have time to get there today. You need to know how to hear for yourself because again, it's not enough for me to hear. You got to hear. So we're going to move into our response. We're going to take communion. We're going to open ourselves up to prayer. We're going to sing. We're going to celebrate. 
we're going to repent and we're going to believe the gospel. Listen to me and, and make sure that you hear me. If you're here and you're in that skeptical, kind of trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, I don't want you to leave without hearing me. All the stuff that I'm talking about is available to you, but is irrelevant to you if you don't believe the message of Jesus. If Jesus is not in your, in your understanding, in your viewpoint, if he is not the logos, the reason, the, the stability, the authority, the, 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 the creating power of God, if he is not God himself, then he cannot be your light and he cannot be your life. But if, if he is your logos, if he is the final word for you, then you have his life you can have his life. And the Bible says that, that look, what that looks like in us is, is a repenting and a believing. Uh, a repenting simply means to admit and abandon. Let me put it this way. Admit and abandon all the other messages that you try to listen to. And yes, admit and abandon all of the behavior that that believing caused you to behave in. All of the agreement that's in you with those messages looks like addiction, looks like anger, looks like, looks like whatever it looks like in your life. And can, I, can I level with you? It doesn't really matter what it looks like in your life. It's all just one big pile of what the Bible calls sin. Rejecting God, rebelling against Him. It's all sin. We admit all of that and we abandon it. And then belief doesn't mean to just agree with. It means to embrace and entrust your life to Him look to him for everything. Do you live your life in such a way that if Jesus is not everything he says he was, that your life is ruined? That's the calling that God calls us to when he says believe. If you haven't ever done that, I'm pleading with you, I'm begging with you, I'm crying out to you today to do that today, to do it right now. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head or raise your hand or tell me anything listen to me, it doesn't matter whether I see you or not. It matters whether he sees you and whether you hear him. So out of the overflow of your own heart, begin to cry out to him. You don't need magic words. There's no perfect way to do it. Out of the overflow of whatever God is doing in you, begin to cry out to him. I would encourage you, if you are doing that, we want to come alongside you. We want to help you. We want to serve you. We want to celebrate with you. So we're going to open up our, our prayer ministry. It's this cross over here in the back of the room. That cross is, and that prayer team is open to anybody who needs prayer for anything. But specifically, if you're here and you're making that, that shift, you're, you're repenting and you're believing, we would love to be able to stand with you and believe with you and pray with you, help you on this journey, and really, really just welcome you into the family of God. But right now I'm going to pray, and we're going to move into our response. I want to remind you, communion is available for all those who put their faith in Jesus. If you've repented and believed the gospel, we invite you to have communion with us. If you haven't, we would just ask you to abstain until such time as you have. Let me pray for us, and then we're gonna worship the Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you. God, thank you that your word is truly alive, that it is truly living and active. God, thank you that you speak to us, that we are not left to wonder at what your word sounds like. You give us your word so we can learn your ways. Thank you for that. Lord, would you come and would you meet some here today? 
that have never heard your voice before, would you open their ears? And would you make the silence thin so that they can hear the sound of your whisper? In Jesus' name, church, let's respond.